daddy gonna stay in school and, and graduate. You're gonna die, Klaus! You can do it! Captain Insano shows no mercy. You can do it! I love my mama very much. Now you know that. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Hello, and welcome to The Sandler Pit, the podcast that would like to formally offer an apology to the director of Click, Frank Karachi. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Frank Karachi. Should I explain the uh, context of this? So we record these episodes way in advance, like two months sometimes, but we've decided to re-record the intro to this uh, Funny People episode because of uh, some social media beef that Luke Terry started <laughs> with the director of Click. <laughs> So what happened was I tagged Frank Karachi, the director of Click, in one of our Instagram posts because we did an episode on The Wedding Singer. We flattered this film so much because we we all loved it. You, me and my yeah, dad. We that all, was our last episode. It, yeah. I totally just didn't think about the fact that we'd also spoken a lot about Click and it just really didn't work for either of us. And then Frank Karachi must have listened to it, which surprised me because yeah, I wouldn't, because I wouldn't the, bother. Yeah, because that was not in any trailers, the the comment he made he must have listened to the full episode i think that's the most shocking part is that he's listened to the episode because i don't think you would bother thank you to him yeah. for listening i don't know if he's yeah ever thank you like again. as soon as i'd hear your horrible essex accent and my horrible sheffield accent i'd be like fuck this yeah definitely <laughs> to this shite so his comment was fat sandler was not cgi rick baker and kozu hiro did all the sfx makeup and was nominated for an academy award for it the naked fat body was real photography not cgi if you're gonna trash my movie at least get your facts straight fair enough like i was genuine i'm genuinely shocked about that because it does look a bit like cgi with sandler's head wobbling yeah. about i do want to say as well that rick baker and kozu hiro they were nominated for this i think the um the effects on like the older on henry winkler henry winkler yeah i think that's really good yeah uh, and I, think... I sent you a picture recently didn't i of henry winkler and i was yeah. like he actually looks how they made him look in click yeah he looks that exactly is... like that now we i think we both know well enough that when you're making a film it does take a lot of hard work and it is like a miracle any film gets made but i think once you put that out you kind of are opening yourself up to a lot of criticism i think we make it quite clear quite often that we're definitely not like bastions of culture we're both just oh, idiots no. yeah we have <laughs> absolutely no like say we we're not critics we're nothing really we replied saying hi frank thanks for reaching out and our apologies we should have researched that fact further which we really should have before we start saying yeah, this fucking cgi which i'm going to learn from in the future when we're doing these um, i don't think you will we've anyway. got like months of recordings already done <laughs> for, exactly like, and post this. we'll have to go through all of them with like a fucking comb make yeah. sure we've, we're saying i'll it just properly. edit it out and we'll have nothing left <laughs> uh, at the end of the day our opinions mean, mean about as much as a stuffed duck getting fucked by a dog uh, that's from from the film click we'll do a correction for this mix-up in the next episode intro we loved wedding singer by the way have a great day luke and luke then he replied i'm used to being slayed so my skin has become impervious to critical opinions i just get defensive for my people's hard work or animals and on that note both sundance and horn dog the duck gave one of the most passionate and honest performances i've ever captured on screen so leave them out <laughs> <laughs> it was 
good. I did like that comment. It did make me laugh. And I replied with, what's happened to Horn Dog now? Hopefully he's in the Smithsonian. <laughs> but yeah, you left replied. it a few days and no reply. <laughs> no reply. I, I am sorry for uh, like making assumptions about the SFX work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, I don't know the ins and outs. And obviously, all films are very difficult to make. To yeah, us. that's something it's easy to take for granted, to be fair. But it just didn't work for us, did it? That's all. It's not like they've done other really good stuff. Frank oh, yeah. Ritchie obviously did Wedding Singer and he's done more Happy Madison films. We'll be talking like, about that. They did later The Waterboy, on. right? Which, which Yeah, yeah really Waterboy's one of my favorites. To watch it. It was nice because we've had two interactions with directors recently. We've had this, which was a bit negative. We also had the Canaan or the, the Canaan brothers. If, if you've ever listened to this yeah, podcast, we sure. do not know how to say names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good at that. Sorry, Jonathan Loughran or Loughran or Loughran or whatever <laughs> the fuck. But they commented on our Kevin James YouTube channel episode, which we, we love that channel. We love their direction. Uh, and they kind of said it was awesome and they thanked us. That was really nice. Yeah, that, that made cool. my Christmas, that. <laughs> I, might, yeah. I might get them both put in a little, um, <clears throat> might print them out and put them on in a little photo frame on my wall it kind of scares me because there's like you know there's that whole um like degrees of separation how far you are from something mm. i always thought because we're two stupid little englishmen <laughs> little englanders <laughs> sat in our little rooms talking about films that made more money than we'll ever see in our whole lives and we are just spouting a load of crap about it to be fair yeah. but we're having fun while doing it and i think the fact that i mean we're paying to still watch all these films and stuff so you know we're, yeah, paying, also, we're paying our way we're not we're not doing this just because we we hate them a lot of them we actually do quite like yeah so, and even the ones we like, don't like i'm still having a lot we of fun like talking it. about Click, them, yeah clicks really stuck in my mind so there are obviously things of it that did work in some ways <laughs> we talk I think about I've michael spoken about every every day <laughs> yeah yeah i've thought about click every day since we watched it again it is so scary because this is like one degree from Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. I really don't want Drew Barrymore to call me a dickhead. I was thinking about this and I think there'd be nothing more sad than if Adam Sandler listened to it and thought that I really hated him because I really don't. Yeah, I don't either. I think um, I'd be really nervous if I met him as well. I think they always say that wolves don't lose sleep over the opinions of sheep. And we're not quite sheep. Ah. I think we're a bit better than that. But What are we, like a fucking donkey? <laughs> 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 These lads are wolves. If Frank Karachi and those boys are wolves and we're not sheep, what are we? You're like a little nit. Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> little, <laughs> little flea. <laughs> you're a horrible... You're you. You're a fucking little nasty fucking... I'm a tree. virus. Little yeah, virus going inside. <laughs> Your little COVID-21 bastard. Anyway... Um, <laughs> It's a new year, it's a new episode. Should we get into the real thing? Yes. Once again, sorry to Frank Karachi. And yeah, um, real sorry for Frank Karachi. And also sorry if there's a sudden fucking shift in tone. We recorded this episode months ago. We're going back to November when we recorded this. When we speak about our predictions for what January's going to be like. <laughs> just so we don't have to ever do this again, I just want to say sorry to Alan Covert, Peter Dante, Adam Sandler, Dennis Dugan... Steve Brill, well, Judd Apatow, <laughs> for anything we say about funny people in this episode. <laughs> All right, back to the funny people. <laughs> oh my God, I'm a fat guy! So uh, I'm Luke, he's Luke. Uh, this is the Sandler Pit, the podcast where we will watch a Sandler film every week, or maybe a not film, maybe a TV show or a comedy special. Or, or a YouTube series. Or a YouTube series. <laughs> Lovely memories of Christmas there. And yeah. um, we decide whether it is good enough to be celebrated in the Sandler Castle with such classics as 51st Dates, 
and QB Halloween. Or will it be thrown into our dreaded Sandler pit with such hits as Click, Click Bedtime <laughs> Stories? <laughs> Have you noticed Click's always our go-to? We've referenced Click on like a daily basis since we watched it all those weeks ago. I was talking to my mate about this podcast and he was saying like he loves all the classics. He loves The Wedding Singer. He loves Happy Gilmore. He loves Click. And he just added that onto the end. I was like, wait, you love fucking Click? He's like, yeah, it's really emotional at the end. Well, I guess we can't criticise it too much if it works for some people. And I cried. I remember Yeah, saying. to be fair, you did cry. It still worked on you in some way. So what are we looking at this week, the first week of 2021? Happy New Year. Everyone. We're recording this in November. Two months before it's going out. If you're hearing this, well done. You made it. I reckon this is going to come out in the same week. Donald Trump's going to release a... And like a, a massive an album drink. yeah an album his greatest hit <laughs> now I think he's going to do a drone strike on Iran and set the world into World War 3 are we doing predictions for what's going to happen at the time this episode goes out yeah it won't be very timely I reckon we'll have flying cars by then yeah I think so as well and I'll probably be a fat guy <laughs> <laughs> oh my god a fat guy it's click again you just can't get away from it so yeah this week we're watching Funny People which is a Judd Apatow film from 2009 I think it's also got Leslie Mann. Yeah. That's Joe Lefter's wife, right? That's wife, yeah. No. And Seth Rogen as well. So have you seen this? Yeah, so I watched this on DVD quite close to when it came out, probably 2010. I was still in my funk. Remember, I went through this phase of being too good for Adam Sandler for a few years. Yeah, the emo phase. Yeah. You know, Judd Apatow, every comedy film from like 2010, Eight. I think after Superbad, every comedy film or 40 Year Old Virgin, whatever, around that time, they were always like, from two of the producers that bought you 40 Year Old Virgin. I think yeah. I heard that and I was like, oh, this might be good. And I see Adam Sandler's face and it was like seeing someone you were friends with once, but now hate. It's yeah. like seeing him across the room and just being like, oh, that so, guy. So he just walked up and, and then you were like, oh, no. <laughs> that face, that beautiful face. <laughs> that beautiful, beautiful man. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense if you're listening to it because we both start chuckling but i've just held my horrible uh christmas present from a few weeks ago up to the camera uh, with the face pillow of adam sandler it's a lovely oh. face pillow you need to start appreciating that man <laughs> <laughs> yeah i haven't seen this this film uh i've always wanted to though it's weird because i quite like 40 year old virgin uh, anchorman super bad that kind of era of judd apatow produced comedies i've always heard that it's kind of like a bit darker than other adam sandler films right i'm trying to remember what the concept is i know he's a he's an older stand-up comedian i don't know if i'm imagining this but i think there's like a i think he has cancer yeah because seth rogan's also in is it 50 50 50 i love that film that's such a good yeah that's a really good film i don't know if i was mixing up the two films but is that do you know that's a plot in this right yeah yeah i think he's i don't know what kind but i think adam sandler has cancer yeah yeah a bit of a darker film it's a bit more serious i think that's the sort of thing that judd apatow started doing around like halfway through his career he started making these films that were a funny concept on the surface but with a lot a bit more of like a real world stake behind it have you ever seen uh this is 40 yeah sadly I, i remember really liking that film i mean it's really long yeah i think that's what put me off i think there is good stuff in it I heard something, I think I heard it on a podcast, that that film is the first film to have someone 
pooing whilst on an iPad, like ever. Nice. Like iPad was such new technology. Like no one had ever had someone on the toilet having a poo whilst using their iPad before. Very nice. <laughs> but I think it's quite good. I think it kind of shows how relationships get after you've been with someone like years and years, I guess. Mm. Leslie Mann, as we've seen before, this isn't her first time appearing in a Sandler film. Before she was in Big Daddy as Corinne, who was, she was Sonny Kofax's flatmate's fiance. Fiance, yeah. The butt of every sexist joke that Sonny made that you loved. Every joke about oi. You're a big hater of Sonny's sense of humour. Yeah, I didn't like that. That was Hashtag boycott, boycott Hooters. Boycott Big Daddy. I was fuming. That's why I wanted to throw it in the pit, was because of how uh, sexist that fucking film is. I don't know if they're a, a couple in this film or what. I can't I can't remember. So they've been in stuff before. They know each other. They have a bit... I think they had a bit of chemistry in that. You kind of bought into their love-hate sort of relationship of bantering with each other. So it'd be good to see them on screen together again. Like, like it or hate it. And I hope that you hate it and not like yeah. it. Yeah, they definitely had, like, I guess chemistry as friends or I think they bounced, or whatever they yeah. bounced off each other quite well so I'm, I'm yeah. looking on the Wikipedia and it says Funny People is a an Apatow production and a Madison 23 production what's Madison 23? just googled it's a short lived subsidiary of Happy Madison oh. uh, while it's parent company was aimed towards comedy films Madison 23 was aimed towards drama sadly only two films were produced under this label Rain Over Me and Funny People Sandler retired Madison 23 as both films were unsuccessful at the box office. That's oh, really depressing. That's a shame, isn't it? Rain Over Me, I really like. I'm really interested to watch that again. And um, I'm interested about it. Funny People, I really can't remember much about it because I did only see it the once, but I don't remember hating it. Yeah, I'm intrigued to revisit it. Well, that's a real shame about Madison 23. It sounds like Adam Sandler, I guess, has always kind of wanted to do different things, but he's kind of been pigeonholed by his previous successes. I didn't realise that this was even slightly related to Happy Madison, to be honest. I did think that this was one of his things away from it, but we've seen it before, the things where <laughs> they collaborate with other companies. We had MTV and Disney. T- Walt Disney. <laughs> so MTV managed to rein in quite a lot of the Happy Madison stuff to some extent, but Disney didn't manage it at all, strangely enough. So as always, we always have a Sandler scale, which is a bingo sheet of nine tropes that we put for a generator. We kind of see who will get a line first do you think it's going to be heavy on the Sandler scale this week I don't to be honest I don't remember this film having many gross out slapstick moments I think most of the humor's in the dialogue which should be quite nice to be honest as you say it's more dramatic I don't think it's going to have like Alan Covert getting like a tennis ball thrown at his dick will Alan Covert be in it do you think I I don't think he will I I don't know if I'm saying that too soon because I feel like he's one of the high ups at Happy Madison so yeah, and you said that about bedtime stories and then they were all fucking in it. <laughs> yeah, every single one of them. Judd Apatow, I think he was roommates with Adam Sandler when they were at college or something like that. I'm sure I read... Fuck off, really? Hey. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty certain that they were... They lived together in New York or something like that. I'm sure I read this somewhere. Yeah, he dropped out of college during his second year and then later moved into an apartment with Adam Sandler, whom he met at an improv class. That's cool. Pretty good. So they're they're old friends. It's not anything new that they've worked together at this point. You'd look at this and think, oh, it's Adam Sandler making a film with a different director for once. But then you find out that he's just making it with like his old roommate. So it's (laughs) it's still more of the same, really. (laughs) 
regardless, I am excited for this one. Right, so grab your Sadler scale and let's do a runny to watch funny people. That was really bad. I think <laughs> You're better at these. Um, You're better in the hot seat. Hold on to your sides because they might be splitting with laughter at all these funny people. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's like the worst thing I've ever heard. Right. Keep it. That's good. So, fingers crossed this film's going to be full of funny people and we won't see any Rob Schneider. Let's go and watch it and be back soon. Hey, very good. You are now listening to the Sandler Pit. Fight like a man. Get on your feet, would you? I don't know how to fight. I'm a comedian. It's- and we are back. We've both just watched Funny People, starring Adam Sandler and Seth Rogen. We watched it last night, both of us. Had a few hours to think about it. Uh, Luke, do you want to talk a bit about what the actual plot of this film is? There's like two plots, maybe mm-hmm. three plots going on. Adam Sandler is playing Adam Sandler, yeah, essentially, but like a horrible version of him, who's like a womanizer and a bit of a lonely man. Uh, and then he finds out he's got a really rare form of leukemia, which they're saying he might die from. And then he starts taking an experimental uh, healthcare. At the same time, he meets Seth Rogen, who's a writer struggling comedian and he decides to employ him to be like his assistant and help write jokes for him and at the same time Adam Sandler is obsessing over his relationship he had in the past with Leslie Mann who was his girlfriend years and years ago who he cheated on but he thinks he's still in love with there's so much going on in this film yeah so long we're gonna be echoing what we said in sandy wexter i think maybe i was watching this and i don't know if it's just a thing i don't really watch many films that are as long as this or like i don't i try not to watch them as often because i think it's hard to sort of gear yourself up to be ready to Mm. commit that amount of time but it really did feel episodic i thought yeah the first half is mostly about his illness And it's a bit more him sort of confronting a bit of darkness and the mistakes from his past and stuff. And that carries on into the second half. But the second half's more like this bottle episode type thing where they're just in this house for the whole very good like hour. They spend it at Leslie Mann's house. I think in my notes, I was like, it's become like Parasite. It's like totally changed the genre like halfway through. Now it's (laughs) this weird thing where Seth Rogen and Adam Sandler have like infiltrated this house. (laughs) And yeah, so Leslie Mann, who's his ex, She's got a family, basically. And she tells us that her husband is a horrible man. He's this horrible Australian guy. And he's played by Eric Banner, who I can only think of as the original Hulk. Yeah, and, yeah, that's what I wrote when he showed up. Yeah, and she's told you that he's like this really horrible man. And I fucking loved him. I thought he was so funny. I, I did send you a message last night. There is something in the second half that I really liked, and it was Eric Banner. Because he's yeah. like a lovely man, and his performance is so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's really, he's really I think he's really likable in it as well. Yeah. So basically, obviously, it's called Funny People. And Mm. I think you mentioned it a bit there, but like a lot of it is based around stand up comedy. So like Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill, Aubrey Plaza are all in it as like up and coming comedians. And Aziz Ansari, Jason Schwartzman's in it, but he's I don't think he's doing stand up. He's like an actor. No, he's a a sitcom writer. So they're all like up and coming and they do all these gigs. And that takes up such a long part of the film. I was trying to think of different ways that this film could have a a backdrop that wasn't to do with comedy because it dragged the film down even though it was like the linchpin of the film like yeah. the whole backdrop is the comedy scene it made me feel a bit uncomfortable because recently there's been all of these like people coming out and saying that the comedy scene's really like misogynistic and stuff yeah Aziz Ansari's one of the people that kind of had a bit of a 
a role uh, in that. Yeah, he had quite Maybe. a lot of complaints lodged at him for the way he treated like fans or other comedians that were like at a lower level than him, I think it was. And he hasn't really bounced back from it. You don't really see him as much. Like Master of None got, I think it either got cancelled or got canceled? postponed. They're all in it and they all make all these really seedy jokes. And I think, I mean, this film came out in, was it 2009? And it feels like it's aged worse than like The Wedding Singer and some of the other ones we watched. And it's more recent. I think it's this Judd Apatow. Like he's, half of him is kind of like a serious filmmaker. He makes really long films. Sometimes they're all right, some parts of them. Yeah. But the other half is just him just constantly, constantly making penis jokes. What's Adam Sandler calling this? George. George Simmons. George Simmons constantly makes jokes about penis size, his penis size, his penis being small, another person's penis being mm-hmm. massive. I noticed it too late. Did you actually make a tally of every penis joke he did? Yeah, you messaged this to me when you were about, <laughs> I think you were already maybe nearly halfway through it or something yeah. like that. I was watching this with my fiance and I got her to take account of any like dick joke or basically like reference to penises and stuff like that. Do you want to guess how many we got by the end of the film? It must be 80 or something. No, it was 34. That, there's more than that, sure. No, trust me. There was a penis joke basically every 4.4 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it came quicker than that. It felt like every I th- line I think that was Adam Sandler saying, hey, look at you. You've got a big penis over there. God, you, look at your hand yeah. over there. Your hand's really small. It makes my penis look big. He does a lot of that, but he sort of does it that they're all like extended penis jokes. They'll do like a stand-up bit and it'll be like a whole two minutes of Seth Rogen just going on about his dick. But, oh, um, I, I, I like wanking. <laughs> yeah. I think we paused it like an hour and 40 minutes in. And by that point, we'd already had, that was about 30 of the penis jokes. And then there wasn't any for ages. And that's when the film like, got good. When Eric Banner shows up, that's the turning point. Yeah. I enjoyed the first scene. I thought the first scene was like a short film. He goes to the hospital and like all his fans are like taking loads of photos of him. And then they're like, you gonna die and mm-hmm. then he's just walking out and just his face as everyone's still treating him the same but his world's completely changed i was like that that's brilliant and then it just went on and on and on and then i got to a point where i was like i fucking hate this film mm. and then eric banner shows up and i did a complete turnaround so i ended up actually liking it i think the last half an hour is quite good i'm really split on this one and i think that other than punch drunk love this is the one i fought the most about and we and me and my fiance had like the most discussion about because it's like different films to be honest yeah the first hour and a half when we we paused it i think i went to make a tea or something and that was just before he found out that his medicine was like basically working and then i think i said oh this could be summed up in the next 10 minutes you know the whole story could be pretty much like neatly tied up but I probably wouldn't have liked it if it ended there because I thought yeah, that all of the comedian characters were all like awesome. just gross, all dicks. You didn't really root for any of them apart from maybe Seth Rogen was the closest to being likable, but he didn't really have a character either. Uh, his whole character was, I'm a, I'm a nice man and uh, no one yeah. likes me. Uh, I, all I do is masturbate. Uh, shut up, you fucking cunt. <laughs> yeah, I think that you don't really take any of their sides. So Aubrey Plaza's in it as his like love interest, and it's just such a non-story. Same with Jonah Hill. It's they like set decoration. It doesn't really lead up to anything. It just gets thrown away by the end of the two and a half hours. They're just like, oh, maybe, maybe I can forgive you, and that's it. I just don't understand why that even got pushed into it. Yeah, to be fair, I didn't mind Jonah Hill. I like Jason Schwartzman's character, I mm. guess. He was kind of a, a good foil for Seth Rogen because he's like this really uh, pretentious actor but yeah, yeah 
I agree. I think this is another one of those overstuffed films where it's just like cut out nearly all these characters because mm-hmm. it's just more content. And I looked it up and it, its runtime is a minute shorter than Apocalypse Now. What the fuck? How did it, this end up that long? Yeah, I'm just glad we've got two of the longer ones out of the way already. So in terms of, I was looking up Judd Apatow's work and I think his early stuff was good. And then I think this was like his turning point into making really long films. This and This is 40. The only other thing I've really seen of him that I've really liked was his Netflix show, Love, with Paul, Paul Rust and Gillian Jacobs from Community. That was quite good because that was like a 10 episode thing, but they're all like, you know, half an hour chunks or whatever. He can do all these usual stuff of having these side characters that aren't that important. They're just extra details. But because it's a series, it's okay. You know, having subplots like that, that get picked up and, you know, they start at one point and then they go to the background for ages. So like there's this strand that Jonah Hill, his character Leo was also asked to write jokes for George Simmons. So that happens on the phone and Seth Rogen just says, oh, he wouldn't want to do it. He like makes up his mind for him. And then that gets dropped. You don't think about it for ages. And then an hour and 10 minutes later, it gets mentioned at like a Thanksgiving scene halfway through the film. And by that point, it's like, I didn't remember that that even really happened. It wasn't presented as a big deal. And this guy just hasn't been in the film. And now they're having like a five minute argument about it. And then yeah. again, nothing happens with it until the end of the film where he says, oh, I forgive you. And I like, forgive you. he hasn't done anything to get forgiveness. Like, it's just so much stuff could have been cut. And this could have been a really solid, like, hour and 40 minutes film. Yeah, I agree. Um, that Jonah Hill storyline, again, it's just more added drama for the sake of it. I kind of like Judd Apatow at times, but it does feel like he thinks all his mates and his family are really funny. So he just mm. constantly, like, he just, it's like he just lets the camera roll, lets them just improvise stuff and it then doesn't cut it i think he needs an editor who's a bit harsher well apparently paul thomas anderson did the did an edit of this did he yeah why isn't he not cutting some of it out well he likes a long film as well doesn't he (laughs) he likes it yeah (laughs) but punch drunk love was so short yeah i know it was quite slight wasn't it as well i read that judd apatow got all of the comedian characters to just write their own stand-up routines and perform them and none of them are very funny no I think that was the worst part of the film, actually, was the stand-up bits, because I I honestly didn't find myself laughing at really any of them. Sandler's bits were okay. Like, when he sang the song, I thought that was quite funny. Yeah. Sings a song about how everyone's going to miss him and stuff. But the rest of it, I just... The stand-up routines just really didn't land for me, personally. What what was your opinion of all the cameos? There's so many. It's just more unneeded stuff, isn't it? Did you get that that guy was Eminem? Yeah. I didn't even know. I thought it was fucking Anthony Russo. Because <laughs> he's wearing these big glasses. My fiance didn't recognise him at first. <laughs> yeah. I said, do you realise who that is? And she was like, no. He's a bit chubby at this point, isn't he? That's why I thought he was the Avengers director yeah. guy. I think that scene was quite funny because it ended with the joke with Ray Romano when... Um, I thought everybody loves you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. But I think the best cameos were the ones where there's fake films and stuff like that. And there's, there's like fake posters for these films and they have like Elizabeth Banks or there's a film called Redo that's Adam Sandler <laughs> as a baby and Justin Long's in it <laughs> and yeah. stuff like that. And there's one where he's like a merman as well. All those fake yeah. films and the fake posters, nearly every single one of them got a laugh from me. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a, a like a funny take on Adam Sandler's kind of shit 
comedy films yeah i think those bits definitely landed as Um, as like a send-up of adam sandler i thought it was quite good in that respect i think all of the adam sandler stuff was pretty good to be honest and he gives a pretty decent performance like where you do kind of root for him when he's ill and he does actually make quite a change and then he goes back on himself you root for this guy do you i can't believe that i've now seen adam sandler in a sex scene that was yeah i don't think i've ever seen adam sandler doing sex scenes before and he's done he's got three in this film and they're all gross it's really gross because the women are quite young as well. But mm. that's the point, but it's still grim. Yeah, I really um, didn't like seeing Adam Sandler in like a, like a raunchy sex mode. No. It didn't feel yeah, that right. That was too much. It was, it was horrible. Yeah. Um, see, this is it. Like you said, it's that seedy underbelly of the, the stand-up comedy scene. It does feel like you can tell that there's something horrible going on in this world. I think Adam Sandler seems to sort of mind that thing when he's making his character so like gross. And I read that he um, felt really uncomfortable and regretted a lot of the like really gross jokes he makes in this. Apparently it did, did put he? him on. Yeah, he, he said, um, I think he said something about like knowing now that he's got two daughters, he wouldn't have made those sort yeah. of crude jokes, which I think is quite nice. And Fair, yeah. the way I saw it was like, we, we keep seeing all the things of him with Jackie Sandler and they've got a really nice relationship. Is this him sort of doing a what if like what if he hadn't met a nice woman which is quite nice but (laughs) yeah i wouldn't like to see this side of adam sandler becoming real yeah another joke that's really horrible in this that really stood out to me like my jaw dropped is there's a bit when seth rogan's on stage he's like making jokes about george simmons having this like public breakdown he does a gig after straight after adam sandler's been on and so adam sandler's been diagnosed with this disease and he's done this really gloomy dark set that no one finds funny oh then i know what you're gonna say Seth now. rogan makes a joke about robin williams slitting his wrists that was that awful. is fucking horrible i felt really sad it was it, i think it was five years before five years robin before. williams killed himself but like still and like I, I didn't really know much about robin williams like battling with depression i don't know if that was a big public thing at that sort of time but I think gross known, yeah but i agree like this film feels really dated because you know like the mid-2000s it was all about being really crude and really horrible and yeah. saying really horrible things i think i don't know things have changed a bit now where people are a bit more mindful of not being a massive dick and mm. yeah this film did feel a bit like i was quite uncomfortable watching bits of it until the last half an hour which I thought yeah was great. I, I don't think i'm like the most easily offended person and i do still like quite a lot of offensive comedy and stuff like that but when um there's like a whole subplot about seth rogan wanting to get with aubrey plaza and jason schwartzman's just like oh i'll give you 10 days before i bang her and stuff like that i think it kind of wasn't funny and it was just a bit too sort of kind of grotty yeah if it, if it was like really funny and they were obviously all supposed to be people you don't root for i wouldn't mind but seth rogan's supposed to be like the protagonist of the film and there's no reason why he wouldn't be like that's a bit grim like why are you saying that he just goes along with it it's like yeah. a contest isn't it his character i didn't really root for at all i felt like mm. he was a bit of a, a, bit of a loser all, all um, the acting in those early scenes wasn't very great either it, I, it felt quite stilted to me i think because it was them um, improvising a lot. I, I made a note that it felt a bit like a student film or like The Room. Yeah, yeah. When they're all first speaking to each other and they're like, I, I got two girls next door. Do you want to go and uh, bang them? And they're all just like stood there awkward. And you wouldn't think that a few years later, these guys would all be in like quite highly jo- regarded films and yeah, stuff. Yeah, Jonah Hill's getting nominated for Oscars. And yeah, exactly. Here he's, he's doing that weird cat YouTube video. That, <laughs> that was quite funny. funny, that bit. I think that was maybe the first time I laughed in this film. That's another thing that makes this film 
feel so dated. They do a lot of very oh, jokes yeah, they... about the time. So like MySpace is like massive in this film. Mm-hmm. Like they, they do a whole gig at MySpace and that's they've, yeah, really they've time stamped now. it really badly because there's jokes about Facebook being crap compared to MySpace, which I mean yeah. we all know that didn't really work out. There's so many thing? like flip phones and stuff like that. Do you know what this film is kind of based on, by the way? Uh I read something about Judd Apatow working with Gary Shandlin. He was like a writer for him. Is oh, that right. what it was? Based on, uh, people have compared it to being like a modern adaptation of The Great Gatsby. Did you ever study that at school, that book? No, but I've, I have read it. All oh, right, yeah. I'm so just a, like... I'm a hound for the arts and culture. <laughs> <laughs> All the big ones, right? So it's <laughs> like Great Gatsby, a bit of Charles Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> With a sprinkle of that's my boy. <laughs> But no, that book is all about, there's a really rich guy. There's another man who's obsessed with him and Mm. wants to be his friend. And then Gatsby is kind of like, he is in love with someone who's married. And then it ends up, she doesn't reciprocate it, even though she's kind of going along with it. And it's exactly the same. because Yeah, there is quite a lot of that there, actually. What I did really like in this film was the fact that there's this love story, which is in the second half with him and Leslie Mann. And yeah, she has a, kids and she's saying how horrible her husband is and like you said he comes and he's actually really nice yeah uh, and he's really nice with his kids and he's speaking chinese to them i got i knew what he was saying in that bit i was well <laughs> proud because uh i used to live in china and baba booyao is a uh, dad i don't want there we go <laughs> <laughs> dad i don't want well, that's what they're saying yeah baba booyao baba booyao booyao is don't want and then uh baba is his dad oh very nice yeah thank you for um, that <laughs> You're welcome. Now I get more sprinkling of culture (laughs) in this podcast. We're such rounded people. (laughs) (laughs) And then at the end, when she's like, oh, I want my husband to leave. I want to be with you. A typical Adam Sandler film would end with that happening, them together. But it goes into the kind of complexity of breaking up a marriage, having all this, and then her just going back on it and getting back with her husband Yeah, and, and him just being on his own again and it's kind of sad and depressing i like that bit actually i, I quite I like that it. as well actually i think we've said it a few times that the films would have been better if they didn't feel the need to like tie everything up so neatly i think that complex affair and brief relationship and then going back to it and having all these hang-ups and issues and stuff that almost almost not quite but almost excused the long runtime because it, it did yeah. i think it did paint this character quite well it was just the other ones that weren't as well painted i think we said it for sandy wexler and for punch drunk love both of those that the happy endings did kind of feel unearned even though they were ones that had a bit more going on that you would think maybe the characters don't quite deserve or in real life wouldn't have had such a happy neat ending yeah so i, I think it's like quite put- good to see that yeah, like Punch Drunk Loves, though, is kind of, it's because it, it seems a bit like that part of that film's just in his head or it's kind head, of yeah. romanticized. But Sandy Wexler, absolutely. That, mm-hmm. I hate the ending of that. Yeah. Um, and here, I really like the ending. I love the, uh, the fight scene as well. Yeah, that seems brilliant. It reminded me of the Bridget Jones one. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> just really shit. <laughs> like, yeah. that's, it looked like how real people would fight. He gives him like a rugby tackle as well, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and he says this line in that fight scene, Eric Banner says, no one who's married is happy <laughs> while he's yeah. fighting in front of his wife. <laughs> that yeah. was quite good. What and then you... Adam Sandler as well. He's, he says that um, the little girl's singing wasn't wasn't very good. It was just funny. They watch her singing Cats and everyone's like crying. Memory. And he laughs. <laughs> And he's just on his phone. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't like it. Um, he says his... something like, 
oh yeah seeing that kid sing like an adult that's hilarious <laughs> she's really annoyed <laughs> about it <laughs> and he's saying that he saw it on broadway anyway yeah, yeah it so wasn't like, as good as when he saw it on broadway, broadway. His character kind of reminded me of like Bojack Horseman, that kind of thing. Did you, have yeah. you ever seen that? Yeah, yeah. yeah there's definitely was, some similarities there. I love that series. So yeah, it was very similar. I think it's definitely a good character, and I, I definitely, I feel like a series would have maybe been a bit better. That might be why he did a TV show. If he did that, love, maybe mm. he just wants to stretch it out a bit longer. When we're talking about this film being dated, I kind of was a bit inspired by some of it because there were some really horrible fashion choices. <laughs> I've gone for a short-sleeved shirt over a t-shirt shirt today which i haven't done since i was like 10 and i've also done this <laughs> so i've just revealed to luke that i've shaved in a sort of pointy sideburn that is such a sadler sideburn that was a good that was a really good reveal that yeah God. cheers <laughs> my um fiance oh, hasn't dude. spoke to me all day because of that she's just avoiding <laughs> eye contact <laughs> Yeah, Why does Seth Rogen cool. have those sideburns? I don't know. They point, I mean, he, they go so far across his cheek. He had those all this era, didn't he? Horrible yeah. things. Um, I always forget that he looked like it, though. Yeah, horrible, horrible clothes mm. in this film. I'm going to say this is the worst dressed Adam Sandler's ever yeah, been. I and agree, he's and he's supposed very... to be rich. You could excuse know, it in some of the other ones, but in this, what the heck? He's one of those rich people, though, who doesn't give a shit about anything. Yeah. Like, I think that's what he's, he's, what he's like in real life with clothes, and he's wearing mm. this horrible hat. I hated that trilby. He just gross. wears shirts that are way too big for him. Did you see he was wearing like bootcut jeans with no socks and then with boat shoes? I that made me that. uncomfortable. <laughs> it happened twice what, and I noted it both times. What do you think of Judd Apatow's kids in these films? Because they're in all of them. Like they're in Knocked Up, they're in This Is 40, I think playing the same characters in both those. Uh, they're in this. I'm in two minds about it because I think it's quite nice that he's got his family involved all the time. And mm. I guess it's also nice that he's kind of like chronicling his kids growing up using his own films, which I think is nice. But they're so shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it, it, it's one of those things where I, re I reckon the reason they do it is because obviously Leslie Mann is their mum. She's their mum in real life and she's their mum in the film. And maybe that gets rid of some awkwardness if it was an act, just an actor that they've got to play the kids. Yeah, I agree. They're not like the most screen confident people. They, they have a few decent jokes in this, I think. The singing bit's quite funny where they sing cats. That bit's pretty good. That's but good. Be I, fair, actually, she, the kid's actually a really good singer when she's singing yeah. that memory that's that's quite good got, i yeah. did have one note as well you know like the first scene when right at the start it's like adam sandler doing all like prank calls you know that's at him and judd apatow and ben scene. stiller and ben stiller yeah yeah, I, yeah I that's loved, really cool i love the first scene i love the last scene because mm. i think the last one is quite a it's not really sad it's kind of like a poignant scene when it's adam sandler and seth rogan just yeah it's hope, hopeful but not overly yeah, like good tied ending. up there's a scene when he's watching all his old stand-up and his old films and stuff mm. uh, and i think that was quite moving as well yeah but i didn't get the sound was he playing them on all those tellies with all the, with the sound on yeah i don't know how it would work <laughs> why did everyone in this film had like five tvs all next to each other yeah. eric banner had it when they were watching american uh, australian rules football or whatever it was he had three yeah. TVs next to each other. And then Adam Sandler was watching with five TVs. That's like our dream, isn't it? We'd get through so many more of these films if we had five TVs playing them all at the same time. <laughs> but I just don't get like, because he was watching it and you could hear clips from each of them. Little things like that really pissed me off. That was quite know... annoying, actually. You're right. <laughs> do you um, know what uh, Adam Sandler turned down to do this film? 
Yes, and I'm really annoyed about it because I'd have loved to have seen that. He was going to play the bear Jew in Inglorious Bastards, right? Yeah, Donnie. You know, on YouTube, there's like a deep fake of it where someone's really? put his face onto it, and it's it's a bit weird. I'd love Adam Sandler to be in a Tarantino film. I reckon mm. that'll happen eventually because Tarantino's a bit unconventional. I bet he's a big fan of Adam Sandler comedies. I'll tell you now, he's in one of the films we've got coming up. Is he? I won't tell you which one because it's funny when it happens. I think the last thing I would say about this film is that it's just a shame that it's just so slow moving. Like I've got a note here that says about after Adam Sandler has seen Seth Rogen and he hires him, he sort of like whisks him away to this MySpace gig. And the journey to that gig is the longest sequence of a film that I've ever watched. It just goes on and on and on and on. They film this one shot that doesn't, there's no cuts in it or anything, of them getting out of a car, walking up a runway towards an airplane, shaking hands with with two pilots. The pilot says, oh yeah, there's a bit of a storm, but we're going to get you there, all right. Yeah, oh, I hope you like Chinese food. We're going to get you there. He says a horrible thing to the woman as well. He's like, I'm glad to see you've got a nice pair of legs to, or whatever. And I'm like, oh, you fucking gross bastard. But it just goes on and on. And it's like the first time that Seth Rogen's been in a car. He's like in this limousine, like like a dog sticking his head out the window, <laughs> like licking the air. And it's just think- so slow. And then they get to the gig and it's still going on and on. He hasn't done any comedy yet. And then James Taylor was singing for like five minutes. And yeah, then they're backstage and it just dragged on and on and like nothing was happening. Right. My mum the other day, my mum's the biggest John Lennon fan in the mm. whole world. Like she loves John Lennon. But I like to wind her up and say how bad and overrated he is. And she gets really upset. And like I was saying, anyone who covers a John Lennon song is better than John Lennon. And I mentioned real love in the John Lewis advert. And I was like, so much oh, yeah. better than his version. My mum kicked off. And then the day after I'm watching this and fucking Adam Sandler, her most hated person. <laughs> It's like singing it and I linked it to her and I was like, oh God, this is way better than Lennon's version. <laughs> but yeah, I want to clarify though, it's really bad. That's the yeah, worst. Yeah, so I needed that bit. I, I literally forgot about it until we've just started speaking about it. I see it in my notes. Yeah, I don't know. It just stuff like that just wasn't needed in this film, was it really? Just, I, I think this is just more adding to the sourness in the first half of the film. But there's just a running joke where they bully a German man. Yeah, the doctor. that's horrible. He plays nicely, but you can tell the guy's not happy. It feels really uncomfortable, that scene. I yeah. didn't like it at all. And he comes in later and he is like, he's he's taking the piss and he's doing like, he does a diehard quote after they say it. But hmm. I don't know. Again, this film just feels really mean most of the time. Jonah Hill says that he's just seen a new Harry Potter movie and that Hermione is getting some big Got old some titties. big old titties. Yeah, I wrote that down. Uh, I did love the scene when he's playing the piano and it keeps cutting to him being sick and looking yeah. fucked. Like, it reminded me of uh, Creed when Rocky Balboa has cancer. Mm. Yeah, really that's, sad that, when... that stuff worked good. I think that's why I would have taken the comedy stuff out of this, but I don't know if that was their attempt at giving it some sort of like balance to make it a bit funny because the dramatic stuff works better in the first half and then the relationship stuff works better in the last half. In that bit, did you notice that they're like taking blood out of Adam Sandler's arm and they're just like resting it on his chest? Like five vials of blood. (laughs) The doctor just like rests these vials of blood on his chest, like not on like a little tray next to him. (laughs) Just puts it on top of him. That would Surely that was not like medically safe right but it's an experimental drug i don't know right do you want to go to our bloody sandler scales uh how did you do i did okay i got a bingo 
for well ages done. i had the most that you could get without getting a, a bingo you know, i had so many that was they're so ready i had to cross one off right at the start that was small town and best bloke because it's set in la isn't it my line was everyone loves him so quite early on everyone's asking him for selfies I had Sandler Sings. He sings a song, Seth Rogen's character, which we've not mentioned. His name's Ira Wright. And he changed his name from Ira Viner, but it's actually Wiener. So there's a bit when Adam Sandler sings this song after finding out that's his name. He says something like, um, my name is Wiener, my name is Wiener, my name is Wiener, my name is Wiener. And he's running around with like a guitar singing it. So I ticked it for that. And then a few minutes later, he sang a, a song about how everyone was going to miss him. I'd already yeah. signed, ticked it off at that point, though. To complete that line was Coca-Cola. We didn't have Coca-Cola for a long time in this film. It was actually, yeah. I saw a lot of Red Bull, but no Coca-Cola. And then... An hour and 36 minutes in when I got my bingo. So very late in the film. Adam Sandler and Leslie Mann were watching back some of her old acting videos. And she was in like a Coca-Cola advert with King Kong. Oh, yeah. And he like yeah. grabs a giant bottle of Coke. So yeah, I got that. I also had surprise cameo. I ticked that for Justin Long right at the start when he's in Redo. Yeah, that is good. Pretty good. Uh, reference to weed. There's there's a couple of those because Seth Rogen's in it. I was going to tick it just as soon as Seth Rogen came on screen because I think he's just like a walking reference to weed. But Did he, he, didn't he didn't smoke really speak any. About it. Yeah, he didn't. No, talk this about is like it. the first, the one and only film Weird. other than when he's in kids' films. But it was when they went for like a hike and Jason Schwartzman's like smoking it from like a weird little pipe at the top of a hill. So I t- I ticked it off for that. My last one that I got was hit in the face which was during the fight scene, yeah, so yeah right at the end best scene um, of the film the only ones i was missing was bald joke uh small town and best blokes i mentioned and peter dante who i didn't see in this can't believe that yeah yeah you you did better than me though like it took me ages to get a line i was the same i was was just blocked off from all angles because i couldn't get this middle one so my line was misogyny shouting sandler like because he does do quite a lot of shouting these i got yeah. straight away mm-hmm. and then to finish that line was fast food uh, i didn't see for ages until yeah. they're having dinner at leslie mann's house but at that point i didn't it took me a while to process that and i was like oh shit that was it but i think that was around the hour 50 mark or something. i don't i don't want to make myself lose here but seth rogan worked at a deli counter in the first 10 minutes does of the film as, made... does that count as fast food if you queue up and you get food and it's ready to eat straight away i think that's fast food well i think, if, I think that's fast food it's food and it's fast you got you got a very early one that's like I think that's like 25 minutes, probably. And then I also got another line through the middle. Fat joke, Jonah Hill. They make so many, like mm-hmm. they call him a triple XL version of uh, Seth Rogen. <laughs> Best friend he has nothing in common with. I put that with Adam Sandler and, and um, Ira. I guess they do have comedy in common, but... Yeah, they're quite different people, though. They've, yeah, they've got different... One's very jaded and one's very young and naive, I guess. And the only other one I ticked off was young comedy actor before they were famous. This is a huge one for that. So Aubrey Plaza, uh, Aziz Anasari, and then Bo Burnham as well, mm. which we didn't mention. He's like a, yeah. a very small role. He must be like 10. <laughs> yeah, he did a lot of like Vine comedy back in whenever that this, was. This and predates this, I think this, Vine. Yeah. Well, this predates almost smartphones, like yeah, we, the close flip phones everyone had. Like Vine definitely wasn't a thing at this time. What I didn't get, I didn't get a Sony logo, I don't think. I didn't get Injured Animal. Very annoyingly, I didn't get Rob Schneider. Right, yeah. so um, Luke, where are you putting this? Are you putting this in the Sandler Castle to be celebrated? Or are you throwing it into the Sandler pit where it will rot and die? Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get something. I've called it the Sandler Sabre. It's a huge sword. I'm swinging it around, <laughs> doing all sorts of tricks. 
I get funny people. I throw funny people in the air and I cut it in half. It's two separate films. For me, the last half would definitely go in the castle. I think this is the first time I've watched a long film and instead of running out of steam, it gains steam halfway through it. I don't think I've ever really had that in a long film before. If I was in a cinema, I would have probably switched my mind off and just been like, oh God, I want to get out of here. But having the ability to pause it halfway through really made the last half seem so much better, I thought. The first half was just stacked full of all these like really badly dated jokes. I think I made a note that it felt like a 14-year-old had written most of it. Yeah. Which is weird because in the end, it's got quite a lot of like depth to the character and the confusing relationships and stuff. I think they just come in too late. So overall, as a film, I would probably put it in the pit, but quite high up. It does redeem itself in the end. It feels like a lot of film, like it's, it's a really heavy package. <laughs> but the way it's shot and a lot of stuff like that, it feels a bit more cinematic than some of the like Netflix Sandler films and whatever. It does feel like someone who has ideas and wants to explore stuff other than just what would happen if you could rewind your life or what would happen if a simple-minded guy became a football player at, at college. I wouldn't be in any massive hurry to recommend this to people because it's going to take up such a lump of your time. And I don't think you get so much out of it. Just knowing nowadays that people have such short attention spans, I think the first hour is quite off-putting. It's a film about comedians that aren't funny, aren't easy to root for. I'm so split on it because the last half does kind of redeem the character. There's a bit of growth, not necessarily just someone going from being bad to good, just someone exploring their regrets a weird, complicated relationship. I kind of didn't know how that was going to turn out and it didn't turn out how I really expected. So it was quite kind of surprising. It was pretty good to be watching an Adam Sandler film that you can't fully predict. Yeah. I think that the negatives probably do just about outweigh the positives in this one. It's really in the middle for me. I think we're going to have to work together to come to a decision on this one. (laughs) For this one, for me, I was dying. I got a diagnosis. I was dying. And then they were like, do you want this experimental drug, which is Eric Banner showing up (laughs) in the second half of a three hour long fucking comedy. Mm. And I'm like, that won't work. You can't just bring in bloody incredible Hulk. And that that won't sort out this film. And they were like, there's an 8% chance this will work. They, they, They injected the banner in me and then somehow I survived. I've come out of it a new man. So for me, it is hard because I'm the same as you. I think almost exactly. I don't like huge amounts of this. I think that it's at times a very interesting character study. And at times it's just a nauseatingly annoying amount of penis and ball and wanking jokes that I was just getting sick of. A lot of the characters are horribly unlikable. Almost that's kind of the point. Ah, I don't know. It's just such a tonal mismatch, isn't it? Because I just can't put Eric Banner doing that when he drives home and tells Adam Sandler to get outside and and starts punching him and saying how no one who's married is happy. I can't put that in the pit. That whole bit is good. I can't put that opening scene where he gets the diagnosis in the pit because that Mm. was really good. I can't put little bits of it. Do you remember there was a guy who did an edit of the Star Wars prequels and he edited together to one make, film. Yeah, to make them better. I need someone to do that with this. Make it in like a an hour and forty five minute film. Cut down all the cameos and the boring scenes and the MySpace bit and the horrible misogyny and stuff. I think there's going to be a good thing left over. I think do a Snyder cut where you bring in the actors again to do reshoots. Cut every bit of Jonah Hill, Aubrey Plaza, all of those non-stories that are like three scenes spread out across this huge film. And just add more Eric Banner. Just Bring him and Leslie Mann into it earlier. 
bring them in earlier that that would be better i think yeah it's definitely true that there are so many decent parts of this border into really good parts of it i didn't feel like i'd wasted time after watching it so i think i would be happy with it going into the castle it's just a shame that the best part of it comes in a third a third into the film and even then i don't know what his screen time was eric banner but it can't have been much more than about 20, 25 minutes, can it? And somehow I wanted more. Even yeah. Though it was the two and a half hour mark. I was like, I want more of this. So we've gone over a little bit of the architecture of this castle pit situation. Then we've got a basement, but I do feel there's maybe like a, like a little tunnel that goes into the pit. I think we're putting it in there. Where there's like a bookcase and there's like a book on that shelf that says uh, Redo, the novelization of the film, which is the film where he's a baby. And if you pull that out of the bookcase, it opens this bookcase hatch. And then we can just hide funny people in there. Yeah, we've smuggled a bit. So it's in the castle, <laughs> but like he's not getting to come down for dinner at the same time as everyone yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, he's not coming to the dinner with Hoobie Halloween. <laughs> so yeah. we've decided we're going to put it in the bookcase hidden in the castle. The hidden I'm, chamber of the castle. The hidden yeah. chamber. Fine. Yeah. I'm happy with that. Do you know what? I'm so desperate for a Sandler game. This week, I- I'm doing it. So this one is Sandler sequence. So I've got three events. One or more is to do with Adam Sandler. I want you to to put them in order of when they happened. Okay. So Robbie Hart sings Grow Old With You on a plane. The Chernobyl, or is it Chernobyl? I don't know. I don't know when it was either, though. (laughs) The Chernobyl power plant disaster. Right, okay. And and the next one is The Never-Ending Story comes out in cinemas. Which one do you think is number one? Uh, I don't know. Chernobyl? No. It's it's number three. Really? That was later? That was the last That's one? That's the then. third one, yeah. 86. Is that going to be like eight? So I, I know Wedding Singer's 1985. Yeah. I reckon Never Ended Story was um, slightly earlier. I didn't write these dates down, but I think Never Ended Story is 1984, Robbie Hart 1985, Chernobyl. 986. Okay. All the rest of them, I've got specific dates as well. Right. right. The next ones, all of these things happen in the same year. Okay. So Adam Sandler makes his first SNL appearance. He's like an extra. Nelson Mandela is released from prison. Margaret Thatcher resigns as prime minister. Which was the most monumental. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, the terrible thing is that I like studied history and whatever. And Did the only, you? <laughs> the only reason I know what year um, that was is because of Adam Sandler, I think. What year do you think it is? Is it is it ninety? Yeah, it's nineteen ninety. I'll give you yeah. a, a special point for getting the year. Oh, I just finished watching The Crown as well. I know that's why I threw in a Thatcher one here. That so looked, all these it looked cold. Night. I reckon that was first. Her resigning. I think that was first. It was cold, but you've got it exactly the other end. wrong. It was the end. No! Of the year. it's number two. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> The other's uh, Adam Sandler or Nelson Mandela. There, there's no point in me trying to do any work because I just don't know any of this. So I'm going <laughs> to say a that... bit of a bad game, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's a good idea. If I was a bit of a more of a mastermind, I'd I'd love it. <laughs> I reckon Mandela, Thatcher, Sandler. Yeah, well done. Dream right, dinner party. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, marry, kill, Thatcher. <laughs> cook, cook. <laughs> Joking, that was all right. Uh, okay, the next one: Adam Sandler marries Jackie Sandler. Kevin James marries Stefiana Stif- <laughs> de la Cruz. Chris Rock marries Malik Compton Rock. Um, I reckon Adam Sandler first. I reckon actually no, I reckon Chris Chris Rock first. I'm going to go with Chris Rock Sandler James. Bang on the money. Well done, Chris Rock. 1996. Oh, uh, when, what year did Adam Sandler get married? Do you reckon? I reckon 2004. 2003. Good. Kevin James, 2004. The next one. (laughs) Adam Sandler is born. Andrew Terry is born. 
England win the World Cup. <laughs> All the same year, 66. <laughs> yeah, I don't know your dad's birthday, so I just put a big question mark. What the hell? So I my dad's know. birthday is like perfectly in the middle of the year, June 20th. World Cup. World Cup's like always summer, isn't it? No, I reckon it was after. I reckon World Cup was after my dad's birthday. And I reckon Adam Sandler was after that. You're going Andrew Terry, World Cup, Sandler. Yeah. You are correct. Well done. Yes. So your dad, June, England in July, and then Adam Sandler in September. What a year. (laughs) (laughs) Right. The next one. Murder Mystery is released on Netflix. Luke Terry proposes in New York. And I know the date of this. (laughs) (laughs) The first case of COVID-19 reported to the World Health Organization. Covid was the year we had the year anniversary recently, so that was quite late in the year. That must have been November of last year. And because it's nineteen, it's definitely after my proposal because my proposal was um, fucking hell. My my concept of time is absolutely terrible, you know. No, I, I thought, I got, I thought I, you proposed last year. I've written it down wrong. I've only Wait. been engaged a year. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, so was it was last, last year. year. <laughs> mad. It was May last year. Um, March last year. Fourteenth of March. That was. Oh. You must have put it on Facebook a bit later. A day later or so, I think. (laughs) Yeah, 14th. That's our, like, anniversary of getting together as a couple. Oh, bloody hell, you're so romantic. I know, honestly. So Murder Mystery, do you think that? I feel like Murder Mystery must have come out ready for award season in January. (laughs) (laughs) No, I reckon that Murder Mystery is in between my engagement and the coronavirus pandemic. Bloody hell, mate, you're on a fucking roll. Absolutely. That came out in uh, June, I think. And then your March and then uh, first case, I think November. Lovely. Here's another one. Luke Thomas is born. Sandy Wexler meets Courtney Clark for the first time. Luke Terry is born. So Sandy Wexler, it was set over a few years, wasn't it? I think that they met in 94, though. I think Sandy Wexler met Courtney before you were born. You were born in January and I was born in April. Absolutely right. You're, you're yes. killing this game, mate. You did shit at the start. Yeah. You're doing really well now. It's, I feel um, like I'm going back in Tim. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Seinfeld first airs on TV. Going Overboard is released. And George H.W. Bush wins the US presidential election. Some big blind spots for me here. These aren't all like the same year, are they? Uh, they're very close together. Oh, okay. So Going Overboard, I reckon, came after he was on SNL. I reckon that must have been like, he was he was really young, but he's, it's got to have been around that time. I'm going to go with that coming out in like 91. I, don't, I have no idea, honestly. With Was it when Seinfeld first aired? First episode to come out. And George W. Bush. George H.W. Bush, like the... Older Bush. The older Bush, yeah. I don't know any of these. I'm just going to go, do you know what? I'm going to flip it on his head. I'm going to go Going Overboard, then Seinfeld, then Bush last. You were close. It was... George H.W. Bush first. That was 1990. So I wasn't that close then. <laughs> I got totally ran the wrong way. <laughs> no, but you got the order going overboard May 1989. Ah, okay. This was before SNL. So I think yeah. it got re-released because no one saw it the first time around. But then right, it got popular okay. from SNL. And then Seinfeld first airs on TV was uh, in July 1989, quite shortly after. Oh, okay. Right, the last one. The Do-Over is released on Netflix. <laughs> Me and you graduate from the University of Lincoln. Adam Sandler teams up with Noah Baumbach for Meyerowitz stories. Again, my, my Sandler blind spot is the Netflix thing. Yeah. I didn't know even these films, like, I didn't know their names until that long ago. We graduated. You count in the graduation day, yeah. Graduation day, <laughs> yeah. I think that I'm going to go... Mary Witt's story first, then our graduation, and then the do-over. 
are the exact opposite. Oh. Do over first 2016. Then we graduate Meriwitz Stories 2017. Damn it. Bloody hell. Anyway, that's the end of the game. <laughs> oh, good game. I like that one. So hopefully the last half an hour of this has been almost as good as the last half an hour of Funny People, <laughs> which is a solid 6.5 out of 10. What are we doing next week? Uh, so next week, we're going to be getting on our best shoes and we're going to watch The Cobbler. Luke, have you seen The Cobbler? I've not watched it. You you haven't seen it either. I haven't seen it. I'm very I'm... excited because it looks awful. Yeah, it looks very outrageous. I'm optimistic that it's going to be one of those films that we'll have so much to talk about when we come back, like another Eight Crazy Nights, you know, yeah. Jack and Jill, the animal type film. But I'm not hopeful that this is going to be a, a good film, really. But I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited for the discussion more than I am to watch it. So how can people get in touch with us? People can find us on Twitter and Instagram by putting in at the Sandler Pit, or they can send us emails by contacting us on thesandlerpit at gmail.com. Thank you, Joe Tyrone, for your uh, your fantastic music. It is really good. Thank you to Luke Thomas for your always pleasing artwork. <laughs> Thank you then for editing all these together. Oh, uh, you're very welcome. Yeah, come back next week and we'll talk about The Cobbler. It's a Sandler buy from uh, me and a Sandler buy from him. Goodbye to all the thick penises out there. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, you're not going to the meeting. You're a baby. Thanks for telling me. I forgot for a second that I had a one-inch penis.